This is the Erasing Shame Podcast, Season 3. Honest talk for healthy living, growing, and thriving. Hello, everyone. This is Nancy Lee, your Season 3 co-host of Erasing Shame. We are Erasing Shame one story at a time. And today, we have the privilege of having Danny Kim on our podcast. So, everyone, welcome, Danny. Hi. <laughs> yeah, Danny and I actually know each other from ministry, and he actually was a um, trainer about strength finders when I first met him through our ministry school. And he's gone on to do such amazing things, um, became a pastor of a church, and now has since then transitioned over to entrepreneurism and is an organizational consultant for, um, I believe, your company's called Centauric. Yeah, pretty exciting stuff. I know you're doing workshops all over the country right now, and his specialty has shifted to shame and technology, uh, or just technology in general. So I definitely wanted to bring him on today to highlight a lot of the different things in terms of our changing world with technology and how that really has a bigger impact on shame. So Danny, do you want to just you know delve right into it and kind of talk about your history of how this all came about and um, where your interest lied in that? Sure. Well, thanks for having me on. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. I think you mentioned in my bio that I was a pastor before, and, and that's true. And it's interesting because when I was in that role, I always felt like God was kind of calling me outside the walls of the church. And for a long time, that was shame-inducing because it was this fear that, you know, number one, the highest kind of form of spiritual vocation is being a pastor. And now I would have to tell my family that I was changing my career trajectory, uh, which is a big thing uh, to pro- process with. But then also, too, it's interesting. It, um, it's, a, it's a quick conversation stopper when I go to a party and say I'm an ex-pastor. Um, and so um, it, I kind of use that as a, a launch pad to say, actually, my, my pastor, my parish really is um, in the uh, business sector. It's in the companies that I get to work with and the people that I get to facilitate conversations for. And so um, uh, that being said, I've been an organizational consultant for a couple of years now. And uh, my role is to help leaders and organizations at pivotal moments to make the right moves. And uh, that has very different forms. But uh, one of the things that I started decided to do a couple of years ago was also enroll into an industrial organizational psychology PhD program. And so part of my focus in that program is the impact of smartphone addiction on emotional intelligence. Um, and there's a lot of research that's being done right now, but I'm particularly fascinated by the impact of technology in the workplace. And so yeah. it's a fun What are your thoughts on that? We hear a lot about, I'm sorry? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we hear a lot about different rules that are set with technology in the workplace. Are you for it? Are you against it? You know, it's a tricky thing. Every culture is different. Every company culture is different. And so um, actually, I'm actually, I don't see that much going on in the workplace, uh, surprisingly. Um, From the people that I interact with, I I mentioned my topic. We have a 30-minute discussion about it. And people are always like, man, I I feel like we need to have a conversation at work. And so it's one of those things that is uh, readily available, but uh, rarely talked about, um, you know, and I'm curious, I would love to continue to explore that with companies because I think, uh, I think what's happening as a result of the overload of technology is that we are, um, we are, we are actually in a place where I feel like, um, 
it, we're not having the right kinds of conversations to be able to support um, our technology use. So that's an interesting piece. Uh, that's kind of a side piece. Or that's that's what I'm working on. But technology across all different kinds of conversations is a fascinating uh, thing for me. Awesome. Yeah, technology is such a big topic right now because everyone has it. It's definitely not going away. It's here to stay. Um, what would you say are the big impacts of you know, what we need to be careful as the world is moving more technologically and advancements and social media and everything is done online? Yeah, interesting. I think the irony of technology, specifically the smartphone, is that it promises us greater productivity, greater connection, greater um, you know, information and data. And yet I'm finding that it is actually creating the opposite outcome. So you see less productivity because people are spending way too much time on email when they're not actually getting work done, right? Instead of doing deep work, they're doing a lot of shallow work, for example. Um, the other thing is, is I see that people are actually uh, saying things on social media more uh, readily than they would ever say to a person in their in front of them. You know, um, I think that's a danger. Um, and even the other day, I, I had a, I was on a podcast, got released, and there was somebody that doesn't know me, but happened to be a part of this larger network. And the person commented in the Facebook post for this podcast, uh, that, uh, literally the same kind of podcast I was talking about. And they said, "Wow, it's crazy what people get paid to talk about." And it's like, well, first of all, I'm not getting paid to do these, you know, I'm not getting paid to do my research right now. And he, he kind of diminished the topic. And, and that, that was shaming, you know, that was like virtual shaming, literally. And I was so surprised because I was like, wow, like, I've, I know that to be true, but it was the first time I had actually received that shame message. Mm -hmm know online and I'm like would he have said that to my face like I would be shocked if he had said that to me if he knew who I was he knew my character you know so we have these judgments and assumptions and we think we can kind of say whatever we want thinking that it's not going to hurt anybody and yet uh, technology has incredible power because guess what it wasn't just me that saw it. It was thousands of people, perhaps, you know? And so that was an interesting thing. And the, the other thing that I'm noticing and um, would love to continue to delve into this is this idea that we are trying to, um, we are trying our best to live a world, live and project an identity about who we are that isn't consistent with our true lives, our true wow. And so I think that's, it's a sad thing. And actually Andy Crouch a few years ago wrote on Christianity Today an article called The Return of Shame. And it's a fascinating article, but basically what he was saying was that, you know, in the West, we, uh, or Western kind of philosophy and thinking is the difference between guilt and innocence, right? Like I want to be innocent versus I'm guilty. And in kind of Eastern or Asian thinking is often honor and shame. Right. So this is what this podcast is all about. And he actually says that the return of shame comes in the form of technology because wow. in the past, a decade ago, before we had smartphones that captured everything, but before it could get put on Snapchat or Instagram story or Facebook stories, if you did something, you know, that was embarrassing in high school, it, it lived for a day. And then the next day, nobody thought about it ever again. Right. But what's happening specifically in like adolescence, those that don't really know how to use technology or don't know the power and the damaging effects of technology, mm -hmm. they can capture that embarrassing moment of somebody 
and it will live for their entire high school career. And uh, people will be saying things about them. They'll make fun of it. And I think that that's the power of technology. And uh, unfortunately, that's the negative side of technology, right? And so he's arguing that there's this return of shame because we are living with this Get, like this identity crisis because one we can't live up to the perfection that our instagram feeds never will really fully satisfy and two we're seeking so much from other people right we have no personal identity that's rooted in god or rooted in something higher than ourselves it's rather rooted in what everyone says about us what we think that other people want us to be um and it's it's evaluated and determined by how many likes i get on instagram Right. It's it's shaped. I mean, there's studies that actually an article that came out that said uh, women uh, or, and young girls are actually trying to get physical surgery to look like their Snapchat filters. Right. So it's literally wow. changing our identity as like physical appearance because we're like, I got to look a certain way. And now that's a human that's a human thing. Right. There's all these idols that we've always created. Uh, and yet I think technology is actually multiplying it and amplifying it. Right. We, we now have a way to quantify that I have X amount of followers and X amount of people that liked what I presented to the world. And mm. it's magnifying this kind of narcissism that we've always seen in all of humanity. And it's just being ex um, it's just multiplied and it's exponential, those challenges. Wow. That's deep. <laughs> we hear a lot about online bullying, all yep. that different. Stuff. You know, there are detriments of technology, but I think what you said earlier is there's somewhat of a dual identity for people who, when you face them in reality and the person that they appear to be versus the person that they feel like they can be behind the camera, whether it's social media or a chat room or whatever, um, would you have any thoughts further about that of kind of this dual identity that people talk about or experience through uh, technology? Yeah, it's tough. You know, um, I am not a proponent of being prescriptive, you know, or, or telling people what to do or what not to do. Um, rather, I want to bring a sense of awareness for people. And I think one of the things that I can provide context for is, number one, asking the question, um, would I say this comment to this person's face? You know, um, we are responsible for our actions. We are responsible for what we say and do physically. And we are also responsible for the texts that we type, you know, and I think that we have to be mindful of the impact that it might have on people. You know, just this morning, I was on a group text with a, a small group and it was interesting because um, there was some shaming going on in that. And it was kind of poking fun, you know, it was like, oh, that's an excuse. And he like threw like a funny gif of like Donald Trump rolling his eyes or something like that. And, and at first I laughed, but what happened was it made me think, you know, that's like a really, you don't get the tone that you get in a, you know, in a, in a conversation. And I would, I would just change the way people, I, I would have cautioned him before he texted that out, you know? to consider the impact it would have. Um, so number one, asking the question, you know, what, what might I, what would I ask, would I say this in front of somebody? The other thing that I, I might consider is um, asking yourself the question, do I find my value and worth from what other people say about me? 
And I think that's a good mm. test because it's, it, it, it's something that we're, uh, uh, something that's always going to be a human part of us, you know, finding identity in what other people say. And yet I, I would say that um, if you are going to the extremes of changing your reality to show a world, something very different than who you are, I think that um, you may want to start asking the question, am I doing this because it makes me look a certain way? Am I trying to change my worth and my value? Am I finding my truest identity um, on this platform and what people say about me? It's so fascinating. The research is clear. People that spend more time on their phones than they wanted to never are always regret that they did. Right. So that means that even they're like, man, I just didn't even realize I was spending that much time. And I wish I didn't, you know, I wish I didn't spend time scrolling through my, my, you know, social media feeds or looking at news or having this information overload that actually isn't helpful, but harmful um, in some ways. Yeah. I mean, it's just a reality. I've heard of, um, I forget what the, the story was, but somebody who got married with an online character like yeah it's got as severe as people wanting to have their identity online and have relationships online and so in terms of ministry now we hear more and more people actually pastors who are meeting people in video games and chat rooms because there's a lot of people that live their lives there and also they're looking for connection they're looking at looking for it behind, um, you know, characters that they're playing or just to have some social outlet of like all, everybody's in a chat room and I can just be free to be who I am here. Yeah. 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 It's really interesting because I mean, something that I'm very cognizant of is that um, if you ever go to church, let's say even a church or like a gathering of people or a small group and you find that you're not talking with somebody in that moment Ask yourself the question, do I feel tempted to grab my smartphone um, and, and watch your behavior? And I catch myself doing that. I'm researching this thing. So I'm hyper aware of my actions and how I use my technology. Um, but I have realized and I've noticed that people will jump on their phone because they are more confident or more comfortable on that platform than they are being eye to eye with somebody and seeing them for who they are. Now, the phone could be a place where you have your data or your ticket or it's a place where you're maybe texting your parents or whatever, you know, something important. So I'm not discouraging that. However, I am encouraging people to consider how might I be more present with the people that are around me? Um, and, and I'm not discouraging online dating. I'm not discouraging from people connecting through video games. I think that's fine. You just have to ask yourself, what reality am I living in? you know, and what, um, what is real for me? Um, and how might we be able to consider the ways in which, um, technology doesn't put our best foot forward. And it's not, you know, we, we do this all the time as humans, we live in false realities because our false realities are very easy to control and they make us feel a lot better about ourselves. Right. Um, and it's not real. It's not real. You know, we can fantasize all day. And that's why I say this is a human issue, not a technology issue. Um, and there's this great movie called uh, Ready Player One. I'm not sure if you've seen it. Um, maybe it? Others. Uh, It's called Ready Player One. And it's Ready based on Player Ready One. Player One. Yep. Okay. And it's based on a, uh, a novel. But the idea is there's this whole virtual reality that's created. And in the future, people like you and me live in this virtual reality world. 
And it's this game. And at the very end of the game, the creator, um, you find, sorry, this is going to be uh, ruined for some people, but the creator actually has this fantastic quote. And he basically says, the reason why I created this game was because it was easier for me to live in virtual reality than it was to live in reality because relationships are challenging. Yes. I think that's so powerful. Like relationships and people have always been tricky. They always are hard, you know, from the very beginning in Genesis with Cain and Abel even, right? Like there's, there's a pride, there's jealousy, there's a desire to have what they have. Uh, there's a desire to be different, you know, to stand out. All of these things that get in the way. And technology, unfortunately, in some ways can fuel that. You know, it could, it could, it literally gives a, 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 an amplifier to those, some of those symptoms that we've seen, you know, and, um, and, and it gives us a voice uh, and, and it could be used in really challenging ways, you know? And so I think it's easier in some ways to hide behind a phone to feel a false sense of connection than it is to actually engage in the people at work. It is to engage in my home with my parents, you know, with my children even, right? Sometimes it's easier uh, to throw an iPad in front of somebody, um, you know, in front of your four-year-old than it is to actually have conversations with them or try to like play with them, right? Because you're maybe busy checking your emails for work or whatever that is. It's easier to go to church with 200 people in the congregation and for you to be looking at your phone, looking like you're doing something important on a Sunday morning. You know, it's so much easier to do that than it is to actually turn to a neighbor and say, hey, I'm Danny. What's your name? You know, how can I be praying for you? Like, it's so much harder. Um, and and I think that that is why technology is um, obviously ramping up, but also, too, it's becoming a real barrier for people to have meaningful connection. Yeah, I mean, I experience it all the time where I feel like there's people who go to church or are at meetings that I'm at and because they don't know who else to talk to, they just hop on their phone. And for me, because I'm aware of that, I'll, I'll try to make it an effort to kind of like get to know the person because yeah. that probably means that they don't really have a friend there. Right. Um, and, and Simon Sinek had a video released like maybe a year ago and he says, it's so crazy how... In America, we have all these meetings, and then let's just say someone's five minutes late, and then the the leader of the ho the host of the meeting will say, "Okay, we're five minutes late," and everyone will just be on their phone. Yeah, and then then yeah. the officially starts. But yeah. he was like, "No, the whole message of connecting, like we've missed the point. It's in that waiting that we should be connecting in person, not via technology and escaping what's right in front of us." Yeah, absolutely. And live in that world today how how would you say are ways that we can really balance that and just be more cognizant of it because obviously there's a lot of problems associated with it but there's also benefits to having technology and sure. then just us having an awareness of that so I'll talk um, first about kind of ways we can like maybe become more aware and, and social codes we can change uh, to kind of help limit our, our curb our use and then the other mm -hmm. side is we'll talk about maybe ways in which I've seen it being really effective or productive or powerful, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, being an Asian American, um, my home was always a shoe free zone, right? Um, you always <laughs> put your shoes in the front of the, you know, before you walk in, you got to keep it nice and clean. Sometimes you have like in indoor slippers. 
And uh, for my wife, that's not so much because she's uh, Caucasian. So, uh, but but the point is, uh, I wonder if there'll be a day when there's going to be a, a box where we put all our phones in the basket before we walk into someone's home. And uh, I know people are going to like say, no, well, Danny, like what if my, you know, my cat child calls me or the babysitter calls me and I need my phone. That's fine. I get it. I understand. But I did this actually with my community group a few months ago and we tried it. We were having a dinner and a meal together and I said, hey, I'm doing some research. Would you mind putting your phones in this basket for me? And everyone put it in. And within 30 minutes, uh, without my prompting, they all started talking about the impact of technology. And that was maybe the first time they, some of them, had a meaningful conversation about their technology use. And all of them admittedly say, yeah, I kind of scroll on Instagram longer than I should. Or, man, I feel like I'm always connected to work. Or when I'm having a meeting with my manager, he or she just doesn't give me the time of day because they're stuck on their phone rather than meeting with me. There's all these conversations that emerge. So I would say that, or I, I dream of a day, you know, when, when we are forced in some ways, um, I don't like to use that word, but we are invited to put our phones in baskets or in, in places where they could be shut off temporarily. I know there's some uh, uh, tech startups that are trying to do this by having like Wi-Fi where actually like their like modem will shut off at a certain time and they'll shut off, shut off certain zones of the house uh, so that it can kind of just, it will naturally be a way of saying, hey, okay, it's five o'clock in the evening, I'm going to disconnect, whatever that is, you know. Uh, the other thing that I might uh, invite people um, is if you're a leader of a small group or a leader at a church of a you know uh, some something I would say we need to begin to talk about it more it's kind of the elephant in the room right we we know that it's a challenge we know and, and but we don't talk about it right and uh, I'm not saying to uh, throw the baby out with the bathwater in some ways or say okay throw everyone just dump your smartphone in the you know in in uh, in the river or whatever, but what I am inviting them to think about is how might you incorporate that in your messaging, you know, in your conversations in small groups? How might your smartphones become a, an awareness where we say, you know what, how can I become more aware of this? And how do I stay present, you know, when I'm hanging out with my kids at the playground? Do I need to be on my phone? I know it feels weird. It's going to start feeling awkward for people, but they might leave their phones in the car for just a little bit, you know, or leave it at home altogether. Um, when you're doing work at, um, you know, at your desk, you may consider turning your phone off altogether and putting in um, a, um, a drawer because science shows that when we're distracted, it takes about 15 minutes to get back into the zone. And so every text message that comes through, every little notification that pops up, every little uh, buzz and bling and, you know, um, light that shines, <laughs> it's just distracting us. It's distracting us and we're not human doings, we're human beings. And, mm -hmm. and I would encourage people to say, how can I just be fully present, fully engaged with where I am today, you know? Um, and and the, on the flip side, let's talk about some of the, the pros perhaps, like what could we do to just harness our technology? Uh, number one, I, I, I use my phone a lot specifically to text um, people in my life that I'm thinking about and praying for. Um, and I've actually had some friends tell me like, Danny, you're really intentional. You know, even though we can't meet up every, um, you know, every week or whatnot, like they're, I'm texting them, I'm praying for them. I'm just saying, Hey, how are you doing? And that's actually a form of connection. You know, it's meaningful. It's not through Instagram. It's not 
giving them a shout out on my you know Facebook post. Um, although I could do that, but rather I'm trying to be more intentional, um, saying, "Hey, these are the people uh, that I actually want to connect with." Actually, Mark Zuckerberg uh, from Facebook is starting to do this too. He's trying to create a platform. He's turning Facebook, or so he says. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but he's shifting Facebook from like a mass media um, outlet to more of intimate. Uh, connections. So you're going to have less and less connections, but more intimate connections. So there's a trend moving towards, I think this pendulum swung one way, you know, by trying to get so many thousands of followers. And I think we're seeing a pendulum swing back where technology is going to become more intimate, you know, like a WhatsApp where it's like, these are the real people I want to connect with. The rest, meh, not so much. You know, the, the, not 3,000 people don't need to see what I ate for lunch yesterday, you know. Uh, but there are people that I do uh, want to get connected with, you know, or whatnot. Um, the other thing that I've seen it do is, you know, people use Instagram and social media like LinkedIn to actually make meaningful connections. I would just consider how are you using that technology? Why do you need it? You know, and how often are you on it? And how are you using that to actually provide value to the world? You know, um, podcasts are amazing. Um, I use that, you know, so again, it's not about just like throwing out the phone. It's about saying, what do I need it for? And is it really benefiting and adding value to my life? Or is it actually taking away from my kind of conversations and people? Um, uh, yeah. So I don't know if there's any questions that you have on that, but that's kind of some of the yeah. ways that shift. Yeah. I think about it because I'm, I'm a financial planner and we think about money and, you know, some people have this lie that like money is evil and it's not the money per se, but it's mm -hmm. like the love of money. And so whatever you don't master will master you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the same idea with technology where it's so easy to get lost in that. And if we don't have an intention, right, to decide in advance what the purpose of my Facebook account is or for my phone, then we can easily get lost through addiction. Right. That's and then great. there's a lot of mental health stuff and then this lack of social connection. And it's so easy for us to come together in person nowadays and everyone's just on their phone at the dining table. And then we're yeah. really not connecting overall, you know, in person. Yeah. Um, there's actually some things I've seen where there's weddings that they've said um, there's a rule that they have to put phones in a box because yeah. not just for the sake of, you know, everyone shouldn't be on their phone, but because it looks terrible for wedding photos and yeah. there's a reason. They hire professional photographers. And so it just has that appearance, right? As well as like a deeper layer of the internal lack of connection. Um, but, but I think of also our families when, you know, we were gr growing up, there was such a, a disconnect from our immigrant parents because they mm -hmm. didn't know how to relate with us. So they automatically just tossed us in front of a TV for like eight hours a day. Yeah. Home and being obedient and just staying indoors, right? That was considered what was good as opposed to like going out and having sports or recreation or student activities. Yeah. So just because we're behind a screen and we're not doing anything, there's also a lot of harm in that because the, you know, mental shut off, we're not utilizing our brain, exercising our creativity or learning or curiosity. So there's so many things to really think about. Um, I guess for me, I just personally, I deal with anxiety. And I've in this last month had to make a decision to not be on my phone a lot because I was realizing how much um, I was trying to do in every given moment mm. and living in the future, which is where anxiety lives, right? Just trying to multitask, trying to put my thoughts on paper as I'm sitting in a lecture or, you know, in a meeting and I'm thinking about 10 other things that's happening tomorrow. Yeah. And 
being present, like you said, mm. being present has been the key, right? The reminder that I have to remind myself of like, nope, I have to enjoy what's in front of me. Don't worry about the next day. And, and don't worry about like, you know, what's going to happen um, even if I don't get it on paper, right? It's just going to be what it is. And I'm going to be totally okay with where I'm at because I also have had to deal with perfection and making sure that everything is right. So not putting those expectations on myself Mm -hmm. and it's helped a lot. So being present, I'd say is really something that um, today our world really needs to hear that message more and more. So definitely. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You're right. Absolutely. Like this false sense of multitasking gives us this like, belief that we can have control over many different things at the same time. And I can be writing an email and texting somebody and looking on Instagram and, you know, doing all these things, doing our taxes and all this stuff at the same (laughs) time. Right. And I think we just have to remember that we are finite beings and our task and our role is to be fully present, you know? And, um, you know, it, it goes back to the, idea that we not only are narcissistic, you know, uh, we have this internal bent towards like being loved, obviously, and that's a good thing. Um, It's like where you choose to find your love from is other question. But the other thing is that we have this false belief that we can control everything, you know, and there's this false uh, narrative that we have. It's like, I can, I can master my own destiny. And that's what technology in some ways is promising us, but it fails miserably, right? It doesn't, it can't do everything for you, you know, and we have to apologize and we're going to make mistakes and we're not going to be able to get everything done on time, you know? And so um, what are the different applications for your technology and how is it helping you, not hindering you, you know, and what are ways in which you're going to think smarter about it, not let it become, you know, overwhelming for you or change the way you live, you know? Um, and I think that's just really important thing to consider, you know? And, 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 and I think when it comes to shame, I think that the, the, the interesting and ironic thing about the smartphone is that, specifically that it is a place for us to hide Mm. and what i mean by that is we have this false sense of uh, a false belief that we can you know use our phones for um to connect with people and get things done and be connected to our boss etc and yet um it's actually a place where we only show our best and it's a place that says i can control what you see And I think that's like a huge part of shame. It's like, I will only show what I want you to think about me and see about me. And I will control your perception of me. It's why like back, back in the days when I was driving to church with my family and like, we were like yelling at each other and it was like, I was crying in the back and everything. And then as soon as we get out of the van, like at church, like we were the perfect Kim family, you know what I mean? And (laughs) all this like, Hey, we're good. You know, like everything's great. And I knew that my parents were going through a lot of stuff. You know, they were like arguing and yelling and like, and I was like, what is happening? You know, I'm going back and forth between what is real and what is made up. And I think the phone does the exact same thing. I could be having a fight with my wife and yet on Instagram says, wow, look at a great workshop that I just presented in front of 50 people. And I love this. You know, it's like, Okay, like how is that making me feel and what's really happening deep inside? And so I just want to encourage people that um, one of the things they might want to consider when it comes to smartphone and technology specifically is who are the people you're truly connecting with? And are you able to create 
real conversations, a space for real conversation where you can say, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. I mean, you've been saying I've been struggling with anxiety. That's huge, you know, for you to share with people. And do you have people in your life that you're having conversations saying, this is where I'm struggling? You know, uh, one of the invitations I had from my small group last week was we're just talking about what gets in our way of like Sabbath rhythms and such. And I actually said my challenge that I need to work through that I'm working on right now is saying no. And saying no to things, to invitations, to people, um, not because I'm trying to be a jerk, but because my default is saying yes. And all these extracurricular activities are actually taking my time. And so celebrating with my community and telling them that I'm saying no. And that even means no to technology on my Sabbath, you know, and saying, hey, I'm just going to pause for a moment and just kind of get that out of my system because guess what? Instagram will be there tomorrow. You know, my emails will be there tomorrow. My work will be there tomorrow and things I need to accomplish and take care of will be there tomorrow. And so I just think, um, yeah, I'm just going to invite people to consider how, what are the things in their lives that they need to pull back from in order to feel more connected with people, to feel more connected about being authentic with themselves. And then ultimately that they might be able to connect with God or, or something bigger than themselves, right? Being present for the people around them, not being consumed by their ability to be productive or to try to control things or to show a world who they think they want other people to think about them, you know? Um, and I know it's kind of weird to think about, but that's what's happening, right? And that's yeah. what's thing is because like, we can't be vulnerable. We can't be who we are. We can't be like, this is who I am. I'm authentic. This is all of me. Rather, this is my made up self and this is what you might, this is what the caption says about me with hashtags. And like, that's what we want people to believe, you know, about us. And so I, I want, I just would love to see people become more authentic on social media, to become more connected in person, um, and then to use social media on, in our phones in a positive way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you talked about equating likes, right. As our form of, um, recognition now and people are just seeking likes but I've even heard that it's um biologically like something happens in our brain yeah. kind of like a drug right where it's, it's almost a like dopamine hit yeah yeah exactly and so when first when the first thing uh people seek in the morning when they look at their phone is right their Facebook or email which is me by <laughs> I'm guilty yeah. um you know we have to guard that first hour and last hour of the day so that we actually come in having more control over that technology versus just immediately walking, sorry, waking up with it and just falling into that abyss yeah. and allowing it to take us. So yeah, yeah. these are different um, things that I've kind of heard over the years as well. And I am so grateful that you're getting to talk about it more because it's something that we, we definitely want to start spreading the message because Technology, I think, has taken us so far, but now, like you said, it's kind of on that pendulum where it needs to kind of start scaling back to what's human behind it so that yep. people can find more spaces to connect. And I think one last thing I wanted to highlight is, so people hide behind shame or hide behind technology because they have shame because maybe they don't know how to connect, mm. right? And yeah. it's, it's not just an easy sort of fix because you said relationships are hard. Yeah. Um, a lot of my family, right? We just have technology because we don't know how to connect with our parents. So all the boys grew up with just nothing but computers mm. and locked up in their room. Um, mm. What would you say about learning how to 
connect not just with yourself more, right? So being present, but kind of being able to escape and being able to better connect with people. <laughs> wow, that's tough. Yeah. Um, so if you are an adult, you have the onus is on you. Like you are responsible for your technology use, right? Um, so as an adult, we have to become examples for future generations. Uh, I'm doing my research right now because I'm anticipating the next generation in the workplace. And um, there's already impacts, right? Like I, I didn't grow up with a smartphone. Um, you know, I, I didn't get a smartphone until I was like 22 or something like that, right? And, yeah, and tell us the Oregon Trail generation, exactly, right? Exactly, the Oregon Trail <laughs> Actually, so I uh, was looking at my old junior high yearbook and it said, hey, keep in touch, you know, from Katie. And it said phone number, which was her home phone. And then it said pager number and it had her pager number. And I was like, dang, like there was no cell phone number, right? And I was like, but now it's like junior high, you're like, you've had a smartphone for like four years already, right? Like, and it's so interesting to me, like just the world is changing. And so we have to become really careful of it. And you made up, you bring up a good point, like dopamine hits and stuff like that. Like at least, uh, so smartphone addiction is classified as a behavioral addiction, which is like, equivalent to like gambling and shopping right um the extremes of it and the same things that are happening neurochemically speaking in your body when you are behaviorally addicted is the same as substance abuse mm. and so think about like at least with like cigarettes or drugs like it's illicit or um you have an age when you can start like even alcohol right there's a certain age before you can get that now Kids are getting smartphones. If that's the same kind of stuff that's happening neurochemically, they're getting their smartphones at eight years old. Yeah, right? And, and you're getting Facebook at 11. I don't know. I mean, I don't have teenagers. But, like, imagine the impact that it's having on them, right? And how that is shaping their brains physiologically and uh, neurologically. And so um, I would say if you're a parent, this is the most important conversation you need to begin to have with them. You need to be aware of their smartphone usage and you need to have starting to have conversations, not to just say, okay, stop checking your phone, but tell them the why say, Hey, like I want to connect with you. I want to be present with you. You know, I want to talk about your day. I want to look you in the eye and give you a hug, you know, and say, how was your day? Like, I know that sounds so basic, but maybe we have to go back to the basics, you know? And I wonder if parents aren't doing that because they just want to be on their phones themselves, right? They're watching Netflix and they're checking their emails at 8.30 at night and they're like, all right, go play your Xbox and go do your thing. And, and it's easier, right? It's so much easier. And so my great caution and, and invitation for, for families and parents is say, let's bring that back. Let's, let's get human connection because that's where it starts. Uh, we can't expect our kids to be uh, connecting with uh, future employers or, you know, students uh, or our classmates if we can't even do it within and model it within our homes. You know what I mean? And so there is a great opportunity there. And I look forward to really seeing how that this these kinds of conversations might help equip people um, in the days to come with their technologies. Yeah. Awesome. Good stuff, Danny. Yeah.
Well, that wraps up our time right now. And I know that you're up to a lot of big things. Um, if people do want to continue to stay connected with you and all the work that you're doing, what's a good place for them to go to? So this is so ironic that you're asking me this because I actually gave a talk one time with a couple hundred people on this very topic and I actually had them put their phones away. And the result was that I didn't get any social media love, which is really funny. It's like, I'm killing my own reputation, like socially, you know, like social media wise, because I'm like, Hey, (laughs) from your phone and even podcasts that I've put out, people are like, Hey, like, uh, listen to this podcast, but then turn off your phone, you know, like, or listen to this podcast before you turn off your phone or something like that. So anyways, uh, I I love to stay connected. I love joining the conversation. Um, People can connect with me on my website at Danny Kim with two M's.com. So it's Danny Kim with two M's.com. And then also uh, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. I'm all on there with Danny Kim's with two M's. That's kind of my social media handle on Twitter as well. Um, Am I on it all the time? Not all the time. Um, I'm, I'm on it. Um, and I'd love to connect with people if they're interested in my research and what I'm up to. Awesome. Well, that wraps up today's episode of Erasing Shame, One Story at a Time. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Thank you for being a part of Erasing Shame. Please rate and review on iTunes, subscribe on YouTube, and like on Facebook. Share with your friends and followers. Get all the details at racingshame.com.